0: Hey everybody, welcome back to a doable discipleship, a saddleback church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as we love to say, the show that helps you grow. My name is Jason. I'm on the spiritual growth team here at Saddleback. And I'm just doing a quick little intro here because we are gonna be rewinding an older episode today. It was one that we did in October of 2019 with our special guest, Pastor Buddy Owens. And this one is called Judge Without a Judging. It's basically How do we or how are we called to make judgments, right, to use our brains that God gave us to make judgments of right and wrong, but without being judgmental towards others is a great conversation with Pastor Buddy. This is one that I did with Doug Jones uh, back in the day in 2019. So um, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Take a listen to this and then we'll be back with you next week.
1: Well, thanks for being here, buddy. It's great to
0: be with you guys again. It's been a while. It's always fun. We just never know what's,
1: what's going to happen, and that's kind of the fun part of it. It's been too long, in my opinion, but if if you were going to come back, I'm Well, glad. it's not
2: like you don't know where I am. <laughs> and it's I'm not just like you don't talk yeah. regularly. Almost constantly. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't have a bigger name to get on the show. I, can, I understand. I I'm not my, hurt. I'm I not bitter. I think my rear end has put an indentation in your <clears throat>
1: chair in your office, so... Yeah, True. <laughs> We're talking today because you gave a talk at staff meeting a while back that, for me, was really, really striking. Love your messages every time you teach, it's good. But let's be honest. this one just hit me in a really in a really strong way. And there was a sense in the room, too, mm-hmm. as I looked around and just, you know, sometimes you just you just feel the moment. There was it felt like there was a converging moment there between stuff that was just going on in the world, what God was doing in your heart, and where our staff was, and where what we needed to hear. It felt like it really struck a nerve and um and you talked on the topic of what you entitled judge without judging yeah and you 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 gave us a way of looking at Jesus's teaching in Matthew chapter seven verses one through five, which we'll probably go through in just a second and and from there you you gave what what I felt like was just a strong and balanced picture of what it mm. looks like as a Christian mm. to handle this. There's a, there's a narrative in the world that says, "Don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me." Yeah. But then there's also this um, love that we're meant to offer one another within within the body of Christ. And how do we how do we hold those two things in a in a balanced yeah, it way? It can be very confusing.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's not just those two things in balance. There's sort of a third element. So there's the "don't judge me," then there's the how do I love somebody? But the third element is, oh, I don't want to judge. Mm. And you hear that as an excuse all the time for people to do nothing. Yeah, because yeah. I, I don't want to be judgmental, and so they do nothing. Mm. And so those three things were the thoughts in my head when I put that message together that day. I, mm. I, I don't even know to what extent I knew I was going to do it. I mean, I, I prepared some notes for it. I, I was sort of thinking out loud on my laptop, but uh, it had been something something that had been on my mind for a long time, something mm. sort of stewing around. So it gave me the opportunity to get out, you know, what I was thinking on the inside. Yeah. Maybe for the
1: listeners, should I read Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5 so the listeners kind of know what yeah. the springboard is for today, or would you prefer? No,
2: go ahead. Well,
1: great. Oh, I hope I don't mess up. Oh, gosh. Don't judge me if I do. Uh, sorry, so weak. so weak. Everyone, please forgive. All right, this is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye.
2: All right. So there's the verse. (laughs) So there's the passage. But what's the context of the passage? See, what happens is people look at that, that very first verse— do not judge or you too will be judged, and they just stop there. Mm. And they use it, as I said, it's either as an excuse to say nothing or people will turn it around and use it as a defense to protect themselves from any kind of correction that you might want to bring into their life. Well, don't judge me. The Bible says don't judge me. right. The context is that Jesus is talking about the ways of the right, what he called the righteousness of the Pharisees. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you got to do things different and better than they do. Mm. So you can't just put it in a vacuum and say, well, don't judge. Because in the whole context, he's saying, well, there's a new way of doing things. There's a Mm. different way to do things. And the issue with how Pharisees judge, and there are still Pharisees in the church today. You can spot a Pharisee real easily Mm. because Pharisees gloat. They love to point their finger at people. They always have this attitude that I'm better than they are. Mm. And so they will point out faults in other people to make them feel better about themselves. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, that's not what this is all about. In the way you judge, you're going to be judged. You need to stop. and," and, And then he says, you need to stop and first think about your own life before you step into this. But that doesn't mean that you sit back and say nothing because, Mm. oh, I don't want to be judgmental. Yeah. Because just a few verses later, I think it's in verse, if I remember right, it's in verse 13, same sermon. He says, be careful of false prophets. Well, how will you know if there's false prophets if you don't use your judgment, Mm. right? Yeah. And that was the point I was trying to get at in this message is we don't judge but we must use our judgment. Mm. Yeah. And they're two very different things. What, what, a, what a Pharisee wants to do is a Pharisee wants to set himself up as the accuser, the, the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury. Mm-hmm. He wants to be all those things. And sometimes he wants to be the jailer, right? Because mm-hmm. he's going to keep you in your place until you finally have somehow satisfied his sense of justice, mm. which of course is always changing. Yeah. And sometimes the Pharisee not only wants to be the jailer, he wants to be the executioner. Mm-hmm. And he does it through gossip, through mm-hmm. character assassination. And they're still in our midst. So Jesus is saying, look, that's not how I want you to live. But at the same time, we're told in Scripture, you got to speak truth and love. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to speak truth, you got to use your judgment. Yeah. This whole idea that, well, I don't want to judge if I was standing with a friend on a street corner and I saw my friend was about to step in front of a bus, well, I wouldn't say, Oh, I don't want to judge, mm. <laughs> you know? No, I'd reach out. I would grab my friend and pull him back on the curb. Yeah. So he doesn't get hurt. Well, so how is that any different? If I see that a friend of mine is about to step into deliberate sin and really bring harm to himself and his family. Mm. And I say, oh, well, I don't want to judge. And then after the guy gets run over by the bus, right? Mm. Then you say, Well, you know, I always knew this was I gonna saw happen. That coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so now I'm judging him after the fact. Mm. Instead of saying, Hang on a second, I'm gonna speak some truth in love. I'm not coming as his judge. I'm just saying, brother, hang on a second here, right? Mm. So that that was part of what was leading into this message um of how do we do that? How do we get past this excuse to yeah. say nothing? It
0: seems like it comes. A big part of this is is your heart towards the other person. It's making sure that you have have a heart of love and com, and and in compassion and respect and dignity. Yes, as opposed, you know, in, in making a judgment about about something, as opposed mm-hmm. to approach it, or as opposed to having a heart that is. A belittling or condemning, or you know, yeah, that's a big part of this message.
1: There's a, there's a maybe, buddy. You'll maybe help me remember what this was or where this comes from. I think it's from one of the major prophets. But it makes me think of there's a passage where, um, where the prophet is saying, you know, if if you're appointed to be the guard at the watchtower and you see the enemy approaching and you fail to sound the alarm, yes that y- the blood of your people will be on your hands because you failed to sound the alarm. Yes. yeah. And so there's this picture of we're not judge, we're not jury, we're not executioners, but we are to be watchful of one another and to help provide that sort of that defensive lookout to help each other remain on a safe road.
2: That's true. At the same time, though, we're not supposed to be spying on each other or watching mm. each other hoping that we catch something. <laughs> yeah. It, but we need to live our lives with our eyes open. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do with anybody you love. You're just watching their life. You're just a part of their life,
0: right? It's a part of what it means to fellowship, too, is you're exactly. literally involving mm-hmm. yourself and the others with you. You're doing life together, and right. in doing so, <laughs> hopefully you have your eyes open. Right.
2: And, and so going back to this idea that, that we're, our sense of judgment, if you will, has to be different from Pharisees. Mm-hmm. The, the Pharisees are hoping to find something. But that's not love, yeah. right? Because love always hopes and always perseveres and always trusts. Mm. But when you see something, you got to say something. Mm. T- to say, well, it's none of my business. It is your business. I mean, why did? Why do you think God put you in a person's life? It is your business. Mm. If it's not your business, whose business is it? So we have to... We have. It takes courage, and we have to be courageous. But we have to do it in love. We mm. can't do it in judgment and saying that's the way this guy is that's the way he's always going to be but rather to say what are you doing you know mm. we know what the word of god says yeah and 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 just bring some form of correction lovingly to that person how they handle it is none of your business mm. that thing is up to them but at least you said something yeah right yeah
1: so there's it a humility like a, in that approach, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. A, it's this idea that we stand equally before God and that we um, none of us are better than the other. And when when you were saying those things, those descriptions of the Pharisees, it made me think of, I think it's Jesus, when he he sort of condemns the Pharisees saying, you know, they their prayer of thanksgiving to God is, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like these other sinners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's that sense that they somehow sit on high above the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, and that is a a pretty poor starting place for for lovingly looking out for somebody
2: yeah. else. So, in lovingly looking out for them, now we come back to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and then he gets to the point of, before you say something, stop and take a look at yourself. Mm. Are you doing the same thing? Because you'll hear some people say that whatever annoys you and somebody else is probably something you've been doing yourself. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's worth asking the question. Mm-hmm. So... You do have to look and see, is there is there a log in my eye before I remove the, the speck in my brother's eye? Hmm. So when you're going to, conf- well, confront or address or speak truth and love, the first thing you have to do is search your own heart. Ask God to search your heart. Ask God to prepare your heart. Hmm. Then ask him to prepare their heart. Because it has to be done by the power of God. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just human opinion, right?
0: It also doesn't do any good. If you say, God, I know I'm good. Exactly. But this other person is in deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Well, I love that. Yeah, so prepare your heart. Prepare. Ask God to prepare their heart. Those two things really have to come together harmoniously to have a, a very effective conversation, don't you mm-hmm. think?
2: Mm-hmm. They do.
1: I love this proverb that was in your notes, Proverbs 25, uh, verse 12. It says, like an earring of gold is the wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that picture.
2: And you know, to some people, when you speak truth, they'll say, thank you. Yeah. Now, there are others who won't. There are others who get angry. They get defensive. Mm. They're the ones that say, well, don't judge. Uh, but at least you've done what you could do. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I would want, again, going back to the bus analogy, if, if my friend stepped in front of a bus... At least I tried to stop him, yeah, you know, at least I did something mm. it, instead of just letting it happen, yeah,
0: I kind of think about this in in concert too with when you've said, um, if there was more confession of temptation, there'd be less confession of sin, kind of yes, thing. whereas if you have if you have people in your life that you can be so open with that you can confess temptations, that you can conf- this type of stuff, then when somebody approaches you with something that they've seen, it's not as weird or it's not as scary or as because you have this kind of open dialogue and conversation anyway, this hmm. kind of yeah. you know openness to that sort of introspection. Yeah. Um, that just that that allows for that it sounds yeah. like that's, that, that's 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 the, that's a a deep level of community
2: well it is i I think to a certain extent the loss for the evangelicals is that we have lost the sacrament of confession, and so many people are afraid to confess going to your point they're yeah. afraid to confess because of gossip mm-hmm. and because they can't confess or won't confess to a friend a pastor to somebody because they're afraid of gossip they say nothing and they internalize it mm-hmm. and now now you're walking your walk alone you've got nobody alongside you you know ecclesiastes mm-hmm. says if you fall by yourself you're in big trouble right yeah right but if you've got somebody with you that can help mm-hmm. pick you up um and and so to, to that very point if we had more opportunity to confess our temptation we need a lot less opportunity to confess our sins i'm mm-hmm. convinced of that yeah mm-hmm. because if you can't talk about it it's already out of control yeah. right so <clears throat> it becomes in a challenge to us as believers as brothers and sisters in christ to say can i be trusted and that actually led to the the second point i made in that message that day was you must speak, and remain silent.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And what I meant with by that was, you speak to the person that you care about, but you don't talk to anybody else about it because mm-hmm. it's nobody else's business. You just talk to them about it, um, because it's it's the gossip that is so destructive. Yeah.
1: So giving people the if we could if we could create a a culture within the faith where People felt like they were free to share what they were tempted to do. Mm-hmm. As you were saying that, it made me think. There's so many cases where sin tends to have like sometimes a snowballing effect in our lives and in our hearts, where it kind of builds momentum and things can get worse and worse and worse. And when it's when it's yeah. hidden, it kind of gives sin the opportunity to to bloom more fully and more completely. Bloom is a is too positive a metaphor, I think, for what sin does. No, you're but right for there. it to to sort of grow into a sort of monster that becomes harder and harder to bring back under control mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the idea that if we, can, if we can just catch these things a little quicker, we might do each other a tremendous service and give each other a real fighting chance to, to to get these areas under control before they become dominating over our lives and significantly impacting our relationship with God and others and those kinds of
2: things. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the silence, the point of silence... So 1 Corinthians, I was kind of soaking in 1 Corinthians 13, and I believe it's the seventh verse, it says, um, love protects, always protects. And I thought, what does that mean? Hmm. Protects who, or whom, whichever is right there, (laughs) right? And protects them from what? what? What does it mean, protects? So I did a word study, what does it mean? And it was interesting that the, the Greek word is the same word that's used for a roof hmm. or for, a th- for thatching of a roof. And uh, there are two translations that translate it as quietly covers. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not mean that love is a cover-up in the sense that we know something illegal is going on and we're not going to say anything, we're going to keep it hidden. What it means is that once, once the confession comes, there is a, this, you quietly cover it and you don't spread that word to anybody else because it's nobody else's business. Hmm. Um, The backstory to all of that had to do with uh, a guy that I had known who was in ministry. Now this was, golly, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe longer. He'd been in ministry for a long time and had, uh, Really messed up his life; had fallen into moral sin. Mm. Uh, he lived out of state, lived in another part of the country, um, and he fully responsible for his decisions. But he confessed everything and was truly penitent. But when he went to his pastor and told him what was going on, the pastor decided to bring this guy in front of their entire congregation. And expose all of this to the congregation because, well, he's in some form of leadership. Mm -hmm. And I suppose you can make an argument. There is a verse in the Bible, you know, about, you know, you you make examples of people in leadership. but, uh, But I thought, wait, is this the way Jesus does things? When someone comes, they're broken for their sin. They're penitent. And to drag them in the mud in front of everybody and throw them down and make a public spectacle, that's what the Pharisees did to the woman caught in adultery.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. Is that how
2: Jesus does things? Mm -hmm. And I kept coming back to this. Yeah, but it says, love quietly covers all things. And I thought, this guy that I knew had no one he could talk to in his church because he knew the place was full of gossips. And he knew that if he said anything... People would start talking, which they did when it was after the fact. Mm. And it would all get exaggerated, which it did after the fact. So he kept it all to himself. Now, again, it's his responsibility. He was guilty. I'm not saying it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Not someone else's fault. But I still, I had to wonder if he had had a safe place, someone he could talk to there and trust. Could he have spared himself and his family? My goodness. Hmm. The pain that his family went through. Yeah. Um, And I had the the privilege to walk with him and a group of three other men for two years in a restoring process, a healing process with this guy and with his family. Hmm. And it was an honor to do that. Yeah. But to this day, I have never told anybody who this person is because it's nobody's business, right? Yeah. It's nobody's business at all. On the other hand, I had another friend, and this was even longer ago, a guy who uh, married kids, guy loves Jesus, uh, who was getting interested in another woman. Mm -hmm. And he told me about it. And so... Uh, because I knew what was going on in his life and he didn't tell me about it and then walk away from it. He just told me about it because he wanted to tell somebody, but he was still sort of pursuing. Mm. He hadn't done anything about it, but he was thinking about it and having conversations with the woman. And one day it it really was as though God tapped me on the shoulder and said, go get him. Mm. (laughs) I got in my car. I drove to his office and I kidnapped him. In essence, I said, We're going somewhere. You're coming with me now. And I got him up from his desk and I put him in my car and we drove around for five hours. Hmm. And I talked to him. And he said, T- This afternoon was the day that I was going to go to her, this woman, and make the move. Hmm. And that, he still to this day, it's been, almost 30 years, he still thanks me Mm -hmm. that it saved his marriage and his ministry. It saved his life because I cared enough. He knew he could trust me. He talked to me again. He, he, he confessed the temptation and then I went after him. Okay. Mm -hmm. I used my judgment. I wasn't judging him. I was trying to protect him from God's judgment. Right. And I went after him and took him. (laughs) and to this day he'll tell me it's it's saved his life yeah um and also to this day i have never told a soul who this person was i haven't told my wife who it is i haven't Mm. told anybody and and it's because love covers over a multitude of sins it quietly covers all things Mm. so i come back to that point that we have to be people who who We don't judge, but we use our judgment, and we speak, but we also know when to shut up, Mm. right? Yeah. You speak the truth in love, and then you shut your mouth, and you don't tell anybody else, because it's none of their business, and all it's going to do is get worse if you start talking about it. That's what was behind all of that message at staff meeting that day.
1: As you say that, it reminds me that a big theme of Jesus's ministry, and in fact, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection—it was where this all comes to a head. There's a picture that Jesus set out to cover shame, and he did it. He did it on. You you mentioned the lady caught in adultery. Yeah. Who's all, who was a couple caught in adultery, by the way? Which is that's a a, precise, the thing yeah, that's always left out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Why is uh-huh. this guy getting dragged out? You know. Uh-huh. You see it uh, elsewhere as well. You even think of like, um, you know, the wedding of Cana, where you know. This married couple is going to be shamed by the the running out of the wine and how this party's about to crash. And Jesus does a miracle that in part shows his desire to to cover over and to uh, to remove the shame mm-hmm. and And Jesus doesn't it's only his disciples and the servants. It's, mm-hmm. the story tells us that that the servants knew what had happened. they're like like chuckling about it, yeah. because you know, the host is like, you uh-huh. saved the best for last, uh-huh. et cetera. And then, of course, Jesus you know death and resurrection is what ultimately covers our shame and makes us right with God. But Jesus, we can not just examine his words, but we can look at the way he behaved as well and just see that he always confronted evil, but he always did it in love, and he never went around um, spreading those rumors afterwards or fanning the flames of gossip. Right. What really breaks my heart about that first story that you shared was that the guy did the right thing in going to his pastor, and then it all blew up in his face. Yeah. You know,
2: that's... He yeah. came to me first hmm. and, um, he lived, you know, another whole other part of the country. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I could get to him. Um, and so I said, you need to talk to your patent and he did. And then that's when the whole mm-hmm. thing blew up. And I just, said, I, I, I'm confessing a temptation. I wanted to kill that guy faster. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> just because of what happened to this man and yeah. his family, you know, yeah. his kids. I mean, the whole, it just was not a big, not a huge city. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people just start talking about it. A couple of verses about all of this. One is a passage in James, uh, in chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 of James. He says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. 1 mm. Peter 4, eight says, Love covers over a multitude of sins. Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love. Mm. And Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all things. Mm. And that's the point, is you've got to speak truth in love, and then in love, you've got to shut your mouth. And protect this person because they're so vulnerable at that moment. Yeah, protect them so that they can be healed. Because otherwise, they might just walk away from the church altogether. Yeah, right. That's
1: exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. You might actually multiply sin in that person's life by making it such a painful, pitchforking ordeal. Yeah, that they end up fleeing the church, fleeing the protection that comes from that, and the, and the help and healing that can come. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, and you give them over to you know potentially a life of. Pain and an additional sin, and yeah. You gave us a a few a few words as you were wrapping up that that message. Um, you talk about confrontation and confession and confidentiality. Um, can you just kind of give us that line and just sort of explain that to us, kind of?
2: Yeah. Piece so by piece? so it's one thing if you if you approach somebody about something going on in their life and they resist you, okay. Well then you have to say okay well do I need to bring somebody else and you know sometimes you'll have uh, uh, what do they call it um you know when the when the family gathers around somebody and like an so intervention was, an intervention yeah oh, okay it God. might lead to an intervention okay but if you speak the truth in love and somebody confesses and says you're right what I've been doing I need help I was wrong whatever it is hmm. I I think the point I made um I think the phrase I used or the sentence I used was um, confrontation that leads to confession mm. must be kept confidential. Yeah. I think it was something so like it's that. That was pretty much a word for word. Was it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> confrontation that leads to confession must be kept confidential. Yeah. If it doesn't lead to confession, well, then you have to say... I will not gossip. But is there somebody else who knows this guy, and we need to sit down and talk to him? Yeah, right.
1: Is the picture there that is that it is sometimes necessary to step up the confrontation in order to move toward confession?
2: Like, do you think that's like people always of, talk about the Matthew eighteen it's idea? Good to say, it sounds like the Matthew eighteen. It comment. it is, it is similar to a Matthew eighteen, although I I tend to believe that Matthew eighteen is uh, misunderstood and is also used as an excuse to not have fellowship with somebody who probably most desperately needs it. Yeah. You know, because you know, you'll hear people, they get in a, a conflict with someone and they go, yeah, I did the Matthew 18 thing to them. Yeah. And it's like they were happy that they could wash their <laughs> right. hands, you know. Yeah, like it's a,
1: it's a weapon to be wielded. <laughs> yeah, and
2: I, I, I a whole, again, you know, you've, you've heard me use the illustration of, you know, dipping the teabag in the water, steeping the tea, and man, when I was sitting in Matthew 18, it was that question came up again. Is this really the way Jesus does things? Hmm. Is this really the way Jesus says? In Matthew 18, he says, okay, you go to the guy, and if he won't see eye to eye with you, well then you take somebody with you, and if he still won't, then you bring him to the elders, and if he still won't, then you he says, Treat him like you would a tax collector or a sinner. Mm-hmm. And that's where I stopped and went. Hmm. How did Jesus treat tax collectors? <laughs> well, it was two things. First, it was that teaching is only in Matthew. Hmm. It's not in Mark, Luke, or John. It's only in Matthew. Hmm. Treat him as you would a tax collector or a sinner. What did Matthew do for a living? He's a tax collector. <laughs> yeah. How did Jesus treat tax collectors? He had dinner with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made disciples out of them. And I thought, so is that what Jesus is saying? If they still won't listen, wash your hands of them, send them to hell, have nothing to do with them, or is he saying, if they still won't listen, sit down over a meal and start the relationship all over again? Hmm. I just have to wonder. And I'm not saying that's what he meant. But sometimes I think that sounds more like Jesus than wash your hands of them, have nothing to do with them. Hmm. Is look, look, if you can't see eye to eye, start the relationship over. Now, for some people, that's almost impossible yeah you know they've been so abusive or, or whatever it might be, but i i just i I think most of the time it's more important to be reconciled than it is to be right, hmm. and we get to this point where well, if I'm right and they're wrong and I'm not going to have anything to do with them, and I just don't know I just have to wonder, so yeah, this whole thing about love covering a multitude of sins and and the the confrontation that leads to confession must be kept confident. Yeah, all of that, there is a Matthew 8, sounds like mm-hmm. a Matthew 18 thing. Yeah, I think sometimes you do have to ramp up There's the confrontation to it, yeah. if they won't listen. And you can tell, okay, this guy's about to have an affair or this girl is about to do whatever. And and you, you go, out of love, I've got to bring somebody into this. Hmm. But in bringing somebody into this, it needs to be somebody who loves this person. And it also needs to be somebody who will keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Because it's still nobody else's business. We're just going right. to talk to our friend. What our friend does with what we say, we have no control over. Yeah. At that point, all you do is just pray for him, love him. Yeah. But at least going back to, um, I believe it's Ezekiel. I think you're right. I was, I think thinking, Ezekiel. That I was thinking that going too. Going back to Ezekiel, I was a watchman on the wall and I saw something. Yeah. And I said something. Yeah. Because if I hadn't, imagine what it would have felt God like God would for hold you. me responsible. Yeah. Imagine what you know
1: the regret you'd have to this day if yeah. you hadn't opened your mouth. Imagine I if said. I had
2: stood there with my arms folded while my friend stepped in front of the bus. Yeah. Ugh. What would I think of myself? Yeah. Right. So at least I tried to stop him. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think I think we have to do that. And to do that, we have to use our judgment. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we are judging the yeah. person. Mm. We're not judging the person. We're we're using our judgment about an activity. Yeah. yeah. We're not judging their soul, mm. right? That's not our certainly not our place. And if you feel an eagerness
1: to confront that person, it's probably a sign you need to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Start yes. the question. And that. Check your heart. If you find yourself feeling gleeful about the oh, opportunity to yes. have that conversation, Absolutely. you got to stop in
2: your tracks because you're about to yeah. you're about to step on a landmine. Yeah. Yeah. You're the wrong person. You got to do it out of a broken heart. Yeah. You know out of love for that person.
1: Right. And that's not an excuse to gossip. <laughs> not an excuse to go like, well, I better go find somebody who is the right person. Let me go and spread the news
0: so somebody can the go deal in love. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I better pray about this uh, in small group. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. oh. Well, I- I'd love to think for just a second about how we can kind of bring it home for people because I know that listeners, a lot of them have some sort of conflict or there's somebody in their life that they, can, that they can think of kind of in their mind's eye that they know is straying toward a dangerous path or, is, yeah. um, or they're at odds with somebody and there's, there's sin that's caused some brokenness there yeah. that may need to be confronted in a healthy way. What do you think is, what would you say is the starting place for that
2: person? The starting place is prayer. Hmm. And ask the Lord, why did you put me in this person's life? And Lord, what do you think about what I'm thinking? Right? Are yeah. we thinking the same thing here? Yeah. Okay. What does the word say about what this person is doing? So you start then with searching your own heart. Lord, is there anything in me that needs to be made right? Mm-hmm. And then asking the Lord to prepare their heart and to give you the right time and the right words. Right? That right moment to go into to... And, to talk to and it can be scary. Mm. you got to ask him for courage. But when you love somebody, you're willing to take those kind of risks. Yeah. I think that was a
0: big part of your story, too, is is you listened when the Spirit nudged you. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's ha- have a receptivity to God's urgings, yeah. nudging, you know, and mm. just ha- have an ear for that.
2: Yes. Now... I had an ear for that, but that was that was the time when the friend had come and confessed a temptation. Sure, sure. Uh, when when you find someone in sin, or you just see it and they're not willing to confess it, there still has to be a sensitivity. But it begins with prayer. Just Lord, what are you what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why am I aware of this? What do you want me to do about it? And search the scriptures. Because even when you do talk to somebody, you need to be able to point something out in the scripture that says, mm-hmm. well, look, this is how we live. Yeah. You know? These are our values, and this is how we live. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good.
1: <clears throat> All right. Uh, buddy, have you read any good books lately?
2: <laughs> I have. Several. Any worth sharing? <laughs> I've read some that were not worth reading. Okay. I just I just finished one the other day. Uh, I won't mention the uh, author's name because that probably wouldn't be very nice. Can say you actually <laughs> finished a book that had, that had, wasn't
0: worth reading because usually you'll well, just...
2: because I was hoping he'd get to something that was <laughs> ah. would have made the the journey worth it and gotcha. it, it and it really oh, surprised no. me, it really surprised me because I read a lot in, of this guy's books with a whimper and not with a bang. <laughs> yeah, it just ended with a so. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, I hate that. You devoted the time. Uh, yeah. Um, no payoff. Uh, but books I've read recently that I actually enjoyed. One was a, a, a book called Alchemy uh, oh, yeah. by a guy named Rory Sutherland. It's a business mm. book, That's but awesome. it's just, it's a, it's about thinking. And another one that I'm in, in sort of the middle of right now is called questions are the answer. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, question. Now suddenly can't remember the author's name, John something. Another business book. Uh, but it's about the importance of asking the right questions at the right moment hmm. for, for breakthroughs. So I, I like to read those kind of books that make just you think, think different. Yeah,
1: You always have such an eclectic taste in books. That's why I like to ask. You've made some pretty good recommendations to us over the years, it's ones that I never would have, sec- have expected the teaching pastor of Saddleback to recommend, just like, oh, that's a totally like oddball direction. Like Remember Orbiting, Orbiting the Giant, the Giant Hair Hairball Herbal. was a classic that's one? Yes, Orbiting Hairball, that was the Giant Hairball, The
2: Maverick Way. They're all books about thinking differently. I guess I I just sort of am drawn to those cuz I <laughs> I tend to think a little odd. <laughs> um and then another one I'm I'm hoping to start tonight when I get home. I like to keep several books going all at once. Mm, uh, like so, another one I I'm hoping to start supposed to be there today when I get home. Um again, can't remember the author's name. Uh it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And it's mm, a I just saw that come up somewhere. Yeah, it's been coming up a lot. My wife read it and loved it. Mm. Uh and um it's about a, a, a Muslim guy who found Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's his story. So I'm going to read that one. Tonight. Well,
1: let me know how that is because I think it's Audible that keeps recommending that to me. And I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe,
2: yeah. maybe. Yeah. But Alchemy was great. All right. I'll
1: check that out. <laughs> right, You <laughs> heard it here, folks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Buddy, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Thanks for asking me. Yeah? All right. Everybody listening, we love you. We hope you'll come see us again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.